is up? Welcome to the first episode of the Mist and TD podcast. I'm Mist, and here we have TD. And uh, so right now it is 11.08 Eastern time. We're going to be doing a bit of a live reaction to the uh, Wizards-Celtics game that's on right now. We're going to be a bit watching that. We're going to be... I'm going to be talking about a bit about the playing tournament in general, kind of our thoughts on that. And I think at the end, we'll segue into the MVP conversation. So, I mean, you look at this game so far. I mean, it's somewhat close at the time we're listening in. It, I think it's middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, Celtics have a bit of a bad 10-point lead, and Tatum's just playing amazing. I mean, you look at his stats, he's, he's just balling out to say the least. So, um, I mean, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the game so far? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of the issues for the Celtics team was in the beginning of the year. I think when they were missing Tatum, it was scoring points. And when they were missing Brown, it was just like that extra two-way chip. But, I mean, with Kemba, he's been inconsistent. But now he just he's finding that second layer of consistency. 23 points at the moment. And then, I mean, you're right. Like, the the bench factor from this team. Like, the guys off the bench are huge. And I think definitely a guy to mention is Tristan Thompson, who has nine points, ten rebounds, four offensive boards, and – no real other stats other than that, but it's just an almost basically a double double at that point. And I mean, you just have to say like, wow, that's such a such a huge contributor. Even if it's not a huge scoring contri- contribution, just think about those four offensive rebounds probably translate into a bunch in a bunch of points. And based on the way the game is right now, those points are definitely going to matter. Yeah, and I mean, another key stat that you definitely have to highlight right now is turnovers, where the Celtics only have nine, but the Wizards have 15, four from Westbrook. And as much as as much as much I w- was wishing that the Wizards could keep this hot streak going, especially with Russ, it just has not been going their way. Uh, Russ has been having an amazing past few games, but just, just looking like luck has, run at, luck has run out for them. And then another guy who just having a poor performance tonight, Davis Bertans, 0 of 6 from 3, then I'm, it's it's just disappointing because 
you look at what Russell Westbrook has done to this team, and then on the one night where he's just not really shooting efficiently, they just can't get enough offense around him to finish the job, and it sucks. And I mean, yeah, at this point, it really is looking like the Celtics are running away with it. It's 106, 88, 18. That, that's five, and just five and a half minutes left. It's really looking like it's over, which sucks. It's my first incorrect prediction. But I mean, you know, as, as much as it does suck for the Wizards, I, I do expect them to secure the eighth seed uh, over the Pacers. At, le- at least I would think, assuming that you can get a good enough game out of Russell Westbrook. But I mean, who, who really knows at that point? Also, just, just in general, uh, I think we should have for someone who the Wizards are just not shooting well right now. Shooting a three for nineteen from three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, going into the season, I mean, once you heard of the John Wall as Westbrook trade, I think a lot of people would say, like, yeah, this is definitely injury-free. This team could probably be maybe a maybe a 4-5 seed at, at, at its peak, definitely. Definitely not at the floor. It's floor. I was probably missing the playoffs by just a bit, and they're at risk of hitting that floor right now. They're nowhere near the ceiling. I mean, their ceiling is kind of on the condition that Russell Westbrook has an amazing year all around, and he really only was able to pick it up in the second half of the season. But, I mean, if Russell Westbrook was able to pick it up a bit earlier, that would have just been amazing for them. Sadly, he wasn't, but I guess they're somewhere in the middle of their – between their four and their ceiling compared to where they were predicted at the beginning of the season. And it's just a bit disappointing to see that they aren't able to get all the way up to their ceiling because the injuries, as well as Russell Westbrook, just having to take some time to get into it. I mean, the inj- the early – the very early injury to – Thomas Bryant was de- absolutely awful for them. They had to pick up Daniel Gafford at the trade deadline, who by no means has been a bad pickup, but they had to give up Mo Wagner for him, who I think they definitely would have liked to keep. They also had, And then they're starting guys like Alex Len. They're playing Robin Lopez, who I don't think anyone wants to play in a playoff game. And I mean... No, I mean, I mean, he's had he's had a solid season so far. It's just like, it's it's, yeah, no, tonight's just has not been his night. I mean, he's yeah, two of eight from the field. It's just disappointing. Yeah, exactly.
Yeah, and I feel like that's going to be something that they're going to want to try and go after in the offseason, and I wonder how they would go about doing that. I mean, you can always try and go after a guy like, I don't even really know, but like there, there are definitely enough enough players to go out and try and get. I just wonder like what, what they what they, what they try and do this offseason. I wonder how exactly they're going to try and go about that. I mean, is it going to be through the trade market? Are they going to try and sign some guy? Are they going to like heavily push after a, a trade-up in the draft to keep building this young core around Russell Westbrook? I mean, I, I would definitely try and sign some guy on a mid-level exception. I would be willing to go into the tax if I'm the Wizards right now, just because I feel like you have the opportunity, if you can put some really good guys, you can really make a run at the... I, I think if if you keep Russell Westbrook around in the, this situation and he keeps up the level of play, maybe not at the same level of consistency, but I think you'll have... If you get yourself in the right situation, you'll be a four or five seed, or maybe even a six seed. But you'll be at a point at which you have seven games. You don't have just one, which is, I think, what might be the, I guess, like the final falling for this team. So I guess, I guess that's like my big issue. Like, what what do you do if you're, if it's like, you know, you're really like you think you're screwed, like you really just don't know what you're supposed to do at that point. And then you're like, all right, well, if we go after a guy in free agency, we actually have a chance at, like, maybe, like, maybe if we go after the right guy in free agency, I haven't really looked at this class just yet, but if you go after the right guy in free agency, what do you get from there? And if you, if you can get the right player, do you, are you willing to go into the luxury tax to get that? Are you willing to, are you willing to part ways with some other guys who you might not want to to get that done? And I, it'll be a question for the front office this season, but I think, I think they'll definitely make the right decision. I, I think the I think I think the right decision will probably be to get a guy in free agency because I don't think they have a lot of draft picks or a lot of draft capital to give up. But I I think I I think they'll there's really no wrong way to go when trying to improve a team. So yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely think like if you look at you know what they need from Wolverine, which um, drafting they need depth. So I actually coming out of the draft, I said many times I thought Jimmy Butler was ready by the moment he got a contract. Yeah, no, I, I think it was definitely underwhelming. I, I think going into the... Nah, he, he's, he's been injured. Yeah, he broke his leg. Or... Yeah, no, 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 you're right. It was definitely underwhelming. I mean, the injury cut it short, which was... Yeah, no, you're right. But I mean... He's definitely capable of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just out of nowhere. And, you know, you go get this three for one in shooting. Yeah, no, you're definitely right there. Thank you. 
you know, I mean, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, at age 32, 33. Um, yeah, 32. You gotta, with his play style, you have to expect that the decline comes sooner rather than later. I mean, honestly, when Jansen gave him up to Luke at five, you know, he got three years of major league development. You don't have a lot of assets to do that. Uh, so that's that's basically what they've done. They kind of put themselves in a position where it's it's hard for them to improve. Um, but they've also gone so all in that they can't really just give up and you know trade Westbrook or you know whatever they can't do it. Um, well, I mean, as much as I I feel like there's been this expecting of Russell Westbrook going downhill. But, I mean, I've always been a bit reluctant to think it's actually going to end up coming out soon because, I mean, you've seen guys at his age, and, I mean, as athletic, he's just so athletic, and I feel like it just feels at a certain point, like, almost unrealistic because I think everyone agrees that Russell Westbrook is an all-time great. Maybe, I, I think he's, yeah, like, he, he is, by, he's he's an all-time great. I think a first battle Hall of Famer without a doubt because you look at the impact on the game that he's had. And, I mean, you look at guys who are like that and the guys who have relied on their athleticism who have been close to the top of the Hall of Fame ballot. I mean, not a lot of them have retired yet and not a lot of them have hit that like stride because it's it's something I think that's fairly new to the game. But when you look at a guy like LeBron, he definitely hasn't regressed. I mean, he's definitely regressed physically, but not in like a super duper noticeable way in the sense that like, his rebounds and assists and his speed has just fallen off because you can see him even at age 36 probably and he'll, and he'll probably do it for the next two or three years that he'll just be able to be so elite athletically i don't really know if, exactly how i'd put it but like in the sense that he's just so able to do everything from an athletic standpoint that like you know at a certain point i don't think the regression will come that soon and then the other thing i think that's interesting to point out is that when you look at Russell Westbrook's past few stints, where he's been described as like, I guess, uh, I guess he's been a bit described as like he's fallen off a bit. I mean, you look at the, his situation the past three seasons, this is going to be more or less what I heard from Max Kellerman, but I think it definitely is something I agree with. Is that so? In when he was coming into Oklahoma City, he, lo- he loses Katie, and then he comes into a new situation with Paul George. They trade for they make the trade for Paul George. The season doesn't start off great, but by the end of the season, he's picking it up. Then they get ripped their they the Thunder fans get their hearts ripped out by Damian Lillard and one of the most amazing performances in playoff history from Dame. And then the next season, he gets traded. Uh, with that when they blow that whole thing up, uh, and then he gets sent over to Houston. I think everyone agrees that it was really underwhelming. We thought the regression was going to happen right then, right when he got traded. And boom, it doesn't happen because you see him in the second half of the season. He just begins to right. He starts to fit in, and he just explodes. And he's it feels like he's a top five player in the league again. And then the third time he gets put in a new situation, he's 
ends up in Washington. We saw this season, it was an awful start to the year. And boom, now it was, and it felt like it never happened again. He had one of the most impressive months in NBA history where he was literally putting up video game numbers. That That's not even an over-exaggeration. That He was like, it was like 18 assists a game, just casually. And like, that was like just a tear for like five, five, six games, maybe probably even more. Like I think the entire month of May, he's been averaging over 15 assists, over 13 rebounds and over 25 points or something like that around there, I'd say. And it's, it's just amazing to see him be able to do this type, these types of things, even at 32. And I mean, you just wonder if you put him in this situation in Washington for another year, I wonder how much his relationship with can grow with Bradley Beal and with the rest of this team and how he can really, if he can really maximize his potential as a player for the first time in a few years. Westbrook, it seems like Westbrook is fooled by the heat. 
Yeah, I mean you're right. It. I'm really excited to see what the what they can do in the offseason. I really hope for the best for them. And now I think another thing that I wanted to touch on in this episode was the other game of the playing tonight, where it was the ninth, oh. the nine and ten game. It was an absolute rout. The Pacers Hornets. Pacers win one forty four to one seventeen, and just a. I got to watch a bit of the game. I didn't get to watch all of it. But, oh, my God, that was just – it was an absolute rout. I mean, you had – it was on on Indiana side, it was just all offense. Uh, Sabonis had 14 and 9, 14, 14 points, 9 assists, and 21 rebounds. Uh, O'Shea Brissett had 23 points, uh, five, assists, f- 5 boards, 2 assists. Uh, Brogdon came in with 16 points and 8 assists. Uh, he's been out re- recently, I think, with a hamstring injury, and he finally came back tonight to put up an amazing performance. I think I wrote a bit before the game how like he was going to be a key if him and Sabonis were both playing. I thought it would be pretty much a surefire win for the Pacers because I was going to say, you know, Brogdon, he's really got a chance to walk up LaMelo Ball, and he held him to 2-4. Two of four. Two, two, um, no, two six from 3 and 4-14 of 14 from the field. Just a just straight lockup performance, a total of 14 points. And he had a minus, uh, plus minus of minus 35 on the ball. Just an absolute horrendous game for him. It, it was horrendous right off the bat for Charlotte. And it just, it, it was downhill from the start. And it just never went back up, which is disappointing. Because, I mean, I think a lot of people would have loved to see LaMelo ball in the playoffs. But then on the flip side, I'm excited to see the Pacers keep going and fight for a playoff spot, which I think with that, if you take injuries off of this team season, they ultimately deserve. Yeah, I would think so, because he's coming out of the injury.
Yeah, no, I, you're definitely right about that. I mean, I think the issue, I mean, I, you know, you're, I'm definitely excited for, um, for the Hornets next season. I, th- I think the huge issue with them in this playoff game was you you look at the roster and it's probably like that their playoff experience is probably limited to maybe a few games, maybe a few games from Brad Wanamaker, Brad Wanamaker from his Warriors. I mean, yeah, no. Well, no, he probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I mean, yeah. Well. Well, yeah, exactly. That, that was the other thing. I mean, Gordon Hayward's been out for a while. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you put him in this game. I think Pacers lose. I think if I think if Gordon Hayward plays, the, the Pacers lose this game. But yeah, because yeah, I mean, the, the Pacers just don't have a lot of great wing defense. So like he's not a twenty-seven point difference alone, but you just add you just add that veteran leadership in these playing settings. Um, I think a lot of the nerves from these young guys, because I think that's what a lot of that is, is that these young guys have never been to the playoffs. Um, they're coming in and they're being led by. I'm just going to steal a memo, but Miles Bridges looks like the best player in this league. And being led by Miles Bridges um, in his first ever playoff appearance, and Miles Bridges is carrier of the year with LaMelo, um, bringing a guy like Gordon Hayward that could really just put his on the lock down. But, um, side note, um, do you know LaMelo Ball's middle name is LaFran? I think I've heard that. I don't think I, I guess I'm remembering it now. It's, some, it's an LaMelo LaFran. Yeah. I was looking at basketball reference. But yeah, um yeah, not even there's not even really a lot to say about this game. You know, it was a lot of good from the Pacers and a lot of bad from the Hornets. But it's yeah. kind of just uh we'll have to wait and see if you know, hundred and forty four points out of the Pacers. Um if they can if they can put that up against the Celtics or sorry, against the Wizards, especially seeing as struggled to score today. Uh, they hit 126, which in the modern NBA is like 80, 85 points is equivalent to. Um, if they can, if they can put that up consistently in the playoffs, I think they can make a deep run. Um, that offense just clicks for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, I think I, I'm really excited to see what the Hornets can do next few years. I, I want to see how they build this team now that they've got this playing experience. And then I'm re- I'm really looking forward to the Pacers Wizards game. It's definitely going to be a fun game to watch. You're going to have two teams who really want to make the playoffs go head to head, and it's going to be an A spot that I don't think either of them will get more than six games on the Sixers. But I don't really think that that that's going to matter to them just because like. You have two teams that they like the the playoffs is just like such a big, it, it, like it that feat is like just so it's amazing to have and it's not something you're gonna pass up on to get a lottery pick. You're, this isn't a game people tank in. This is a game that people say, oh yeah, we we gotta win this. We gotta make the playoffs at all costs. And especially when you've got guys like Sabonis going at it, and you got guys like Russell Westbrook. I mean Sabonis Brogdon. I I don't really think the Pacers stand much a chance. If Westbrook is able to get is able to get going, 
but if but if but if he's not really at his peak and he's not really able to have the bounce back game that I think can be expected, I I wonder what will happen because if he's not if that's not able to happen, then you know I I I, I worry for the pace I worry for the Wizards because I don't think Beal is enough, especially if he's going to be guard, being guarded by even even though I mean even though he's going to be guarded by what Doug McDermott or O'Shea Brissett, I don't, I don't really know what he's going to get done just because I, I'm just not I'm not convinced that Beal is going to be able to perform at that level through the through, throughout the entire game and if he's not able to think, yeah if he's just if he's not able to perform at the highest level possible it's going to be a bad it's going to be a it's going to be really bad for the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, once you have that loss of wing depth for the Pacers, I mean, you you've got so many opportunities with the injuries to Lamb, the injuries to Lavert, the injuries to Warren, and then you can bring in guys like Brissett. You get Doug McDermott on board, and he comes up with a big game as well, just like a, a lot of big games. And then Shea Brissett, he just has a lot of easy buckets, and I think that's the other thing that I think is like a huge part of this team is that. Doug McDermott, O'Shea Brissett, TJ Mc, or Doug McDermott, O'Shea Brissett, Justin Holiday. A lot of these guys are scoring because guys like TJ McConnell and Malcolm Brogdon are giving them such easy shots. Like Malcolm Brogdon, he's so good at really setting up guys in like the perfect spots to get easy buckets. Same with Savonis, and then I think it even more so McConnell. He is he's just really, really, really good at like making creating the right plays for the right players, and he knows what he has in mind. It just takes him a quick second to do it. He'll ramp around defenses just to get the ball in a very specific spot, and he just knows he just has such a high basketball IQ. I remember I got to see the Knicks Wizard, the the Knicks play the Pacers earlier this year, and it was just such a he is he's really so good because he he does so much stuff to like really set his teammates up in the most perfect positions possible, and it just works so well. No, it, the Knicks smoked. I mean, I don't remember the exact tour. I think oh, it was, was like, the one in February or January. I think it was in February. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Knicks. I, I, for the games that I have been to the Knicks, that the Knicks have been in this year, that I've been to, it's been good. It's been very quality basketball, to say the least. A lot good management wins. Feels like 
actually don't know. It's something I think I've been wondering as well. Like, uh, yeah, uh, like, also another thing I'm wondering. Yeah, exactly. And another thing I'm wondering is you look at, like, you know, you look, I mean, you look at Tatum, you know, a record setter, or a hopeful record setter at least. And then, I mean, another thing that you can look at is, well, shit, I forgot what I was thinking. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I remembered, I remembered. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at a guy like Curry, right, and I, in the context of the MVP debate, I think a big question has been if Curry, if, if does, if, does this count for Curry being MVP, is Curry MVP case, does it count for, do, do the playing games count? I guess that's what I'm asking, because if you think about it, because if you're thinking about it, then the play, it, the playing games and he he does just some insane stuff in the playing games, and th- does that count towards the MVP case, or does he kind of like, or or is or is everything settled at this point? Because it, I don't think it'll be very often that we'll have an MVP candidate at this point, but or like in the playing, but you know, you know, it's it's a question that I think has to be asked. Yeah, no, no, I definitely get what you mean. I, th- I think it's definitely an interesting, it's, it's a question that has to be asked, if if it really counts. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't really think it would matter that much, because I don't really think Curry's that much of an MVP candidate anyways. I mean... What? I mean, yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of feel like one when it's. I mean, I, I I personally think playoff team. I think the question has to be asked if the team is a playoff caliber team. And I think if you make the play in, then you're a playoff caliber team. But I, I think the even more, I guess, pressing question, probably, I'm probably not pressing, but I mean, the question that I think also is going to be something that I guess I want to answer is like, you know, 
with with the Warriors and Curry situation, like, could it be its own third thing? Like, could the play in be is it not playoffs or like would play in count, but it wouldn't be the regular season because there's there are implications in, in this game that just do not happen in the regular season ever because as much as the record differentiates, you could have a seven seed playing a ten seed in the second game, and those two teams could be varying a lot in skill and you could still have an upset and i mean it's just like you know a lot of things could happen in the play and you just don't know i mean i feel like i feel like it's kind of gotta have it's gotta have its own special circumstances where you know it's the warriors aren't or at least the, the play in counts at towards mvp and mip and stuff like that but it doesn't necessarily count but it doesn't count towards playoffs Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they had the ninth seed would have had to be the AC twice. I wouldn't have minded though if they did. Um, they could have done seven versus ten and eight versus nine in that double elim little thing. Um, I would have preferred to see the double elim though, being uh, versus you know some teams coming in from the thirteen seed on a winning streak get really hot. Yeah, I mean, I personally have always been a bit pro play, and I think I really think it's just like such an interesting type of tournament to like decide who's getting in. And I feel like a lot of times, you'll obviously, yeah, you can have a team that goes gets really hot at the end of the year, but also at a certain point, there's I feel like something that I've kind of noticed, especially with the standings, especially this year. And I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference, you kind of have you kind of like at least win wise, you have like you almost have like a tier list. Where, like, 
you have this top tier of teams which go up until the well no well I mean yeah you get the top three then I guess you've got the I mean well you've got I mean you I guess you got like your top three which is like anything above forty five then you've got like your middle tier which is around forty then you've got your middle then your second middle tier which is any which is the playing teams and then you go down to the Bulls Raptors the Bulls Raptors Cavs Magic and Pistons and I mean. I, I think which is, it's kind of interesting because you kind of get the chance to let, let the teams differentiate between who's going to make the playoffs and who isn't because all these teams are split by a three-game difference. Like, the Hornets were only three games worse than the Celtics. Three games is not a lot. And, I mean, you turn three games completely differently. You, you Hell, you even turn four games completely differently at this point. And the Bulls could be right now at the – at the eight seed, if you just turn, if you just switch four different, the result of four different games. I mean, four games at this point it becomes so close. So you turn it down to one game, and I actually think it means a lot. So, you, I really do think that it means a lot for the players, and I think it means obviously a lot for league revenue. But I, I do think it, I think it really just adds a different layer of competitiveness, where even these teams that aren't necessarily going to be in the playoffs they still get the chance to kind of, you know, like, prove their worth, even if it's not going to res- amount to much. It kind of gives these guys a bit more playoff experience. It gives the Horn- guys, like, the- on the Hornets young core, it gives them the chance to get some playoff experience, and I think it's just all around. It, it really works for everyone. I don't see who uh, – I don't really see a team who, who, this do- who this works against because if, if, if you're put in this situation and you feel like it's unfair, then win. That that's 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 just the criteria for it. And I think when you go back to because there's been a few players I know not just Lebron who have come up and you know Lebron loves to show it. Uh, I mean, I quote Lebron in Jackson for uh, all time. Yeah, you can. Lebron goes. Can I quote him in Jackson? Yeah, yeah, yeah you can quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think when it comes to these other Philly guys who are playing in these, you know, 9, 10, 11 seeds, um, it is some extra motivation, uh, but it's also a chance to prove themselves to these new guys who are playing these. Because if you know that you're in the playoffs, it's a chance to come out and prove, hey, you know, I can, I can do this for you in these big moments like you need.
Yeah, I mean, it it really it helps the league out a lot. Like, I think you know, I think I think it's creating interesting points of, like, it's really just creating interesting games, like Warriors Lakers to see who makes the seventh seed and plays the Suns. No one expected to see that, but it looks like we're gonna see it. So. Honestly, props to the league, Ben, because that's going to be such an interesting game to watch tomorrow night, Lakers-Warriors. And winner gets the Suns, loser won't have to win another game just to stay in the playoffs. And we're going to have even whole MVP awards possibly based off of it if Curry ends up doing something Curry. So, you know, I, I, I think it would really be, it really will be an interesting point of, point for teams to like, you know, make make i guess adjustments make like fake playoff games i don't don't really know how it would be like a perfect scenario for teams necessarily there are tons of different examples that can be used but like you know i really think a lot of teams will benefit from this i mean a lot of teams will not benefit from this i mean for example if the wizards lose tomorrow night i think a lot of i think you probably would have been better off just taking the route to not do the play and play the sixers in the playoffs but, you know, if you, if you deserve to play the Sixers in the playoffs, you just need to win one game if you're the 7 or 8 seed. And if you're the 9 or 10 seed, you just need to win two. Simple as that. Like, it, it feels just like – and it feels like an added layer. And it feels – and, you know, why do we have to win two instead of one? We were just one – like, for example, the Wizards and the Pacers, they were tied this season. I, I would assume that the Wizards had the tiebreaker because they were the 8 and the Pacers were the 7. But if you think you're that much better than the Wizards, then just win – win an extra game and obviously it's a it's a tall task but you know that that's kind of it kind of is you know there's something that comes with that like you know if if you don't think you can do it if you if you if you can't do it then just don't do it because the the playoffs are where the best teams play and if you're not one of the best teams then you you shouldn't be here there's a place for you and that's called the draft lottery My prediction, I think I had an article. I had an article about this earlier today. So my prediction for the Warriors game is I have the, <laughs> I I've got the Lakers today coming in or tomorrow. I've got the Lakers coming in with the victory. I just really think that they can cruise to that one just because as good as Curry, as good as Curry is, he'll have a good game. He'll have a huge game as usual, but as long as it's not to as long as it's not like an eighty point game, it'll be a very easy win for the Lakers. I think. It's just simply too overpowering for the Warriors' defense and really for any defense, for that matter. But, I mean, if the Warriors – if Draymond Green can have a big defensive impact, I think the Warriors could just pull a win right out of their hats in a close game. But who really knows? It'll, it'll definitely – I think it'll come down to the wire just because of how good Curry is and how, how much he can stay in games. But nonetheless, I think the Warriors will end up falling. Exactly. Um, unless, um, you know, every single role player has a terrible game, I don't see any way the Lakers win this one. Um, but I wouldn't put it past Steph uh, to somehow pull it off. Even if he does, uh, no matter what happens, I still see 
Yeah, I mean, I think the whole, I think the big thing with the Grizzlies is, you know, it's it's John Morant. He's so good, and I just wonder if, I, I wonder if John Morant is going to be able to, you know, if he, what? Yeah, I mean, I'm as much as I as much as I love him. I mean, I don't think he's gonna be. I mean, I mean, I'm on the jaw train in the sense that I think he's really good and he has a ton of potential. And I mean, he's playing extremely well recently. But you, you got Dejounte Murray on him. I, it's it's not an easy task, but Dejounte Murray has a good chance of being able to limit Ja and combine this with efficient performance from Demar. And I think the Spurs have a chance at taking on the Warriors and losing. I th- I think that's. I think it's like the I think at this point it's just like the winner gets the punishment of getting destroyed by the Warriors, but you know it it, it can't be that bad a punishment, you know, it's basketball. I think that uh, also the Spurs have uh the Rosen for the Spurs. I think that's just proven how great of a of a franchise the Spurs are. How great their coaching development is. You look at the Rosen the Rosen Yeah, it's it's definitely gonna boil down to that for sure. It, it, as long I think as long as Dejounte Murray can have a good game and Demar Derozan can play pretty well, then I think it'll be, I, I think it'll be a very easy win for the. I think it'll be a very easy win for the Spurs, but that's a lot to rely on. And I mean, Demar Derozan has not been the most consistent this season, and neither has the rest of the Spurs team. So if they're not able to be consistent enough. That'll be an issue. But then I think the other flip side to this that I think could be a big issue for the Grizzlies, they don't have a huge amount of playoff experience on that roster. And, I mean, DeMar DeRozan definitely has playoff experience. And then Coach Pop, I think it's like the ultimate. If, if you want experience, you go to Coach Pop. So that's going to be, I guess, a bit of that, – that's going to be, I think, one of the biggest issues for the Grizzlies is just that coaching advantage. Taylor Jenkins is a good coach, but how good compared to Pop? not that good because it's you know it's it's pop arguably one of the best coaches of all time so i mean yeah that's i think that's my my that's my reason for the spurs but i think ultimately john moran is just gonna be able to rip through this defense of the spurs as long as he's able to just get past Deshante murray because as easy as a task it might seem to guard john moran it's really
I'd be I'd love to. I mean, so I I think we're both on the same page for the MVP. I've got Nikola Jokic right now. I think without a doubt. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it kind of feels like there's the tier one guy in Jokic where you've got you know he's really 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 good. He's been amazing this season, and I think you know just amazing stats. He hasn't missed a single game, whereas I think a lot of players have. And he's in the playoffs, which is I think the other thing. It's like there are a lot of guys who would be very good, who are very good candidates, but just none of them meet every single requirement, which is something Nikola Jokic pretty much does. And that's kind of why, like, I guess you gotta, you almost have to put him in for, for, as the, um, as the MVP. I mean, I, I would love to see a guy like Chris Paul or Julius Randle win it, but with a guy as much, as good as Jokic, there's really no way for any other player to be the MVP this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be unanimous. I think he'll be five or six in the voting that will, but it'll be pretty damn close. Yeah, I mean, as as much as I want Curry to really be close, I just don't think it's very realistic that he's anywhere near it because of the whole winning factor. And I mean, it it really sucks because you know you put Clay Thompson on this team, and yeah, they're they're winning without a doubt. But then again. You put Clay Thompson on this team, and Warrior and and Curry stats, they probably go down a bit, and it's no longer that much of an MVP. Oh, that much of an MVP season, but you know, as as much as I want, as much as I want Clay to be healthy, I mean, I mean, as much as I want Curry to be MVP candidate, I want Clay to be healthy much, much more, and it's, it's just not. I I would rather have I would rather have a healthy Clay than. Then Curry just be that much closer to the MVP. So, sucks sucks to suck for Curry, but he just won't be able to be MVP another time in his career. At least in my opinion, just because he's aging, and I don't really. Th- I think guys like Jokic, guys like Luca, maybe AD will have another one in him. Guys like Embiid will all be much closer to MVP in the next few years, and especially when I have a feeling when you took it when you look at the next ten games of the season. 
you probably have Embiid playing them, you probably have LeBron playing them, and it looks a lot better for their MVP cases, but not for Jokic, but not necessarily for Jokic, just because you know he's been in most of them, and it doesn't really affect percentage wise. It just makes it a bit easier for the rest of them. So overall, I guess you know, as as much as I want Jokic, as much as I want Curry to have a chance to win a third MVP, just not realistic at this point in his career. I have not, no. How many? Let me see. I'm curious. Wow. I mean... I mean, yeah, it's not anything that definitely has to be talked about. Giannis, I mean. Yeah, that's what I love to see. Oh, yeah. Oh but yeah, I bet, I bet you, guys, I bet you'll have like a feel. I mean, at a certain point, I feel like Rudy Gobert needs some sort of very valuable recognition, but not top five in the league. I mean, that's just not realistic because. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of done with the Rudy Gobert thing. Um, but there is also one concern I think that Tim Reynolds, um, if if Jokic is MVP, has to win. That that interests me. The whole like Embiid still having a chance thing, and I mean I don't know I don't know if you got the chance to listen to uh, Brian Windhorst talk about this on his podcast where. I think it was him with Tim Botemps and Tim McMahon. And they just went off on each other about the MVP. And Brian Windhorst was more or less complaining about how, like, oh, it's so unfair to Embiid. You know, he's not really, like, it's not fair that because people are discrediting him because he missed a huge chunk of games. And then it was, like, it got really heated at the end, and I think it was pretty interesting. I didn't get to see the full podcast, but the part that I, the part that I did listen to was definitely a good segment. But you know, I think I think a very interesting thing to look out for in voting in general, not necessarily just this year, but in general, I think one thing about MVP voting, like you know, availability is the biggest is is a huge factor. Like you know. If you're not available, you can't be valuable. Like if you're if you're if you're there at least, you're bringing some sort of value, even if it's not like even if it's not your best game of the season, you're still being valuable by just showing up, and that's not something Embiid was able to do half the season or for a significant part of the season. And as much as I want Embiid to win the MVP, it just can't happen because he just has not shown up for enough of the season. Do 
Yeah, I mean, it'll all. I think it'll all come down to health. I mean, you know, it, it was so disappointing. Like, I, I, wa- I was watching his injury live, and I was just, I was so, I was shocked. And to be honest, I was completely disappointed because Embiid has such a amazing career ahead of him, and it would just suck so much to see it die or see it at least fall short because of an injury like that. It was really a gruesome injury. His knee kind of just like bent backwards as he landed awkwardly. And it really sucked because, you know, Embiid, it, it's just going to be really bad for Embiid for, uh, for the rest of his career. And, I mean, it, it, was, it ended up not being that bad, but it could have been much, much worse. Yeah, no, I think this no, is all... Another, another Yeah, yeah. All right, I think I've got to wrap it up, but um, it was a great recording. We'll definitely get more episodes in in the future. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Peace. Peace.